And the word of the Lord says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Merry Christmas. Good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. As Jared said, we will be in Matthew chapter 1, but find Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be there as well this morning. So I'll let you have uh, some time to find Matthew chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Just a few announcements before we start uh, the teaching of God's word this morning. This morning is our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, That again is the IMB, uh, the International Mission Board's offering for all of our uh, missionaries around the world. Every dollar that comes in this morning will go directly back in uh, to uh, the missionaries around the world. Not one penny will go to admin. It goes directly back to uh, the missionaries serving around the world. Uh, in the back, there's two uh, plates. There's the gold plate. That's for your morning offering. And then there's a wooden plate. That is for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. In front of that plate is an envelope if you would like to put your uh, offering into an envelope. It's uh, there for you as well. So two offerings. One, uh, the first one as you come in the doors, your morning offering. The second one is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, so uh, again, I pray that we would uh, fill those that one plate for our missionaries. As, uh, we have a missionary that we uh, pray for monthly here uh, over in Southeast Asia. That money will go Uh, A portion of it will go to him and his family. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for this offering um, this morning. The next one is we have a business meeting on Wednesday uh, this week. That uh, business meeting is for our church budget for the 2022 year. So please uh, make arrangements for that. Come here about what's going on and what's in our budget for the coming year. And uh, that's your place to have a vote on the budget for Uh, 2022. Uh, The last announcement this morning is this. On December the 19th at 5 o'clock, we'll have a church-wide Christmas uh, fellowship down in the fellowship hall. Again, that's at 5 o'clock December. That's Sunday, December the 19th. Uh, Please bring finger foods and or dessert to share, and the church will provide uh, hot chocolate and coffee. So if you'll bring uh, finger foods or dessert, we'll provide hot chocolate and the coffee. Again, that's December the 19th. Uh, lastly, we're continuing to pray for a youth pastor um, and that God would bring us someone to minister to our youth. So let me pray for all these, and then we'll jump into God's word this morning. Let us pray together. 
God, I pray in this moment that you would still our minds and our hearts. That we'd be open to receive from you, through your Holy Spirit this morning, what you would have for each one of us, for us collectively as your body. God, I do pray for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I pray that we would uh, give, give generously, and give faithfully. God, that we would know that this money goes back to support our missionaries all over the world. That today there are many, many people that do not know you. And we were told by you, commanded by you, uh, to go and make disciples in all the nations. So we are, are doing that through our resources uh, and through men and women and their families who are on the field, faithfully preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus all around the world. And God, I do pray for us as a church as we continue to cry out to you for your divine wisdom in looking for and searching for a youth pastor. pray that you would, as we've been praying for these last few months, you'd prepare us for them and them for us. Whoever you would have for us would have a heart for you, a heart for students, and a heart to know you and to make you known in this lost world. And so again, God, we ask that you would pour out your wisdom on us as a church and on the committee that will go and begin to go through all the resumes that come to find the right person for this position. Now, God, again, we come and ask, we humble ourselves before you. We would, as Paul says, to become a living sacrifice, that we humble ourselves under your mighty hand this morning. In humility, God, we would ask with open hands and open hearts and open ears and open minds that you would plant your word into us and that your word, as it is promised, would not come back void, but would uh, bring us to either justification or salvation. That we would learn to love you, to follow you, and then proclaim you into this lost world. So again, here we are. We humble ourselves to you. Do what only you can do, and that's bring transformation. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Here we are in the second week of Advent. Advent, as we've said historically, is this. Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning the arrival of or the coming of. We are saying this. Advent is a time for us, the believer, of patient waiting, hoping with heart-filled expectations, soul-searching, as we wait for the arrival and the coming of our Lord Jesus. We come to Christmas as we celebrate his first arrival. But his first arrival is a reminder and a promise to us that he's going to return again. And as we've been talking, and we'll look the next several weeks at this, the Advent season is comprised of four things. Those four things are represented in those candles to my right, to your left. We looked last week at hope, that the Advent offers us hope, hope that Christ will return. And what we do in our hoping, our hoping brings us to a place of adoration and to worship. This morning, we'll look at peace, then joy, and then we'll finish out Advent in two weeks with love. And then we'll come together on Christmas Eve to celebrate the culmination of all those. 
So this morning we'll look at peace. But I want to read this quote uh, from a theologian about Advent. It says this. A prayer for us would be this this morning, this quote. The Advent season or the Christmas season calls us, the believer, to savor the sweetest promises of the gospel by looking to Christ Jesus through our longing for something more. My hope and my prayer is that this Christmas you're not just hoping and longing for gifts, but you're hoping and longing for an intimate relationship with Jesus. And Christmas would be that season for us to reawaken our affections for him. That this Christmas season would be a reminder that God sent his only son on our behalf to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We'll see that this morning in the passage. And that was to bring us peace. We are hostile towards God, Paul tells us. And Christ brings us peace. My hope is that you are experiencing that peace this morning. And if you do not experience that peace this morning, that this morning would be that morning you would experience peace. And so this morning we'll look at the advent of peace. The word peace in the Old Testament means uh, shalom, or it means to bring what was fractured back into order. The New Testament, though, says this about peace. The word peace means this. It means to be free from worry. How many of us this morning would like to be free from worry? The advent or the promise from God through Christ Jesus, He being our peace, allows us to have a life free from worry. But I would ask you this this morning. Where are you placing your life? Because if your life is in anywhere but Christ Jesus, it will be full of worry. So this morning, my plan is to simply do this, to look at three aspects of peace from where Jared read this morning, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Those three things that we're going to look at are this, about the advent of peace, the means of peace, or the plan of peace, the mission of peace, or the purpose of peace, and the man of peace. The word peace in my notes are capitalized because that, that, that is just not a thing. That is a someone. And so we'll look the means of peace this morning, the mission of peace this morning, and the man of peace this morning. So let's look first at the means of peace. It says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the first is this, the means of peace or the plan of peace. It's the virgin birth. Life or the Christian doctrine that we would say are secondary issues. Some of those secondary issues are this, the 
the gifts of the Spirit, whether you believe them to be true or not to believe them to be true. That's a secondary issue, meaning our salvation doesn't hinge on whether you believe in the spiritual gifts or not. Whether you believe in predestination or don't believe in predestination, that's a secondary issue. But this is a primary issue, the virgin birth. Because if we do not have the virgin birth, then all other doctrines fall completely to pieces. Because this is what the virgin birth says to us. This is what makes this so important for us to believe. It is the foundation of all of our Christian doctrine. It says this, that Jesus was fully God. That's what makes him, that's what makes the virgin birth so important because God, through the Holy Spirit, came upon Mary and she was with child. Meaning that God intervened without what humans normally do, that's have sex and come together to make a child. Apart from that, God intervened with Mary, which meant that he was fully God, but yet he was also fully man, because he was born of a woman, but he was not born of man, he was born of God. And so because of the virgin birth, we hold this doctrine that God was fully man and fully God together. We're the only religion that believes that to be true. Now you have to ask the question, what is so important that he had to be fully man and fully God? Well, we know this to be true. That if he was not fully God, he could not take away the sins of the world. Only God can take away the sins of the world. And so when he promised us in the Old Testament that God himself would take away the sins of the world, the only way to that to be fulfilled is that God himself would have to come. But it wasn't just that that he said. He also said that God would then have to intervene in the Old Testament and man would have to make sacrifice to God. So God would take away the sins of the, of the world through the means of a man. That's what the priests were all about. Priests would come to the people through God and make a sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. So now here in the virgin birth, we have fully God and fully man, that God would take away the sins of the world through man, and Jesus himself would accomplish that in one person. But that's not the only reason that the virgin birth is so important to us. To take away the virgin birth would to take away all the promises of God. Because everything hinges on that promise. Jesus came to fulfill what Adam was unable to do. And that was to live a perfect life. See, Adam was meant to be in harmony with God forever and ever in perfect harmony. And Adam was unable to accomplish that. So Jesus came to accomplish what Adam was unable to accomplish. To take, away the to take away the virgin birth would mean to take away Christ as sinless. Because if Christ had simply been born of man and woman, then the sin nature would have been imparted on him and in him at the, the conception all of us on this planet 
When we're born, we're born with a sin nature. It's not like you come into the world sinless and then you sin. No, the Bible teaches that you come into a world with a sin nature. We are prone to wander. We will wander from the Lord. We will rebel against God because it's in us. That's what happened when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. When they ate of the fruit in the garden, the sin nature overtook them. And when it overtook them, it now overtakes all of mankind. So if Jesus would have just been born of man and woman, he would have had the sin nature, which meant he wouldn't have been sinless, which meant he couldn't redeem the world from their sin. Because there had to be a spotless lamb. Right? That's what the Old Testament says to us, that there has to be a spotless lamb to take away the sins of the people. There could be no blemish in the land. And so Jesus comes as the spotless lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Another thing that we can say about the virgin birth is this, that Jesus came as not only a king, but the divine king. All other kings had blemishes, but this divine king was without blemish. You see, if all that we do this morning is talk about the virgin birth, and do you and I believe that, then all other doctrines will come true to us. You see, oftentimes we talk at, at Christmas about the, the birth of Christ. It's not the birth of Christ that's so important. It's the conception of Christ that is so important. What I mean by that is without the Holy Spirit intervening with Mary, then there is no virgin birth. It's not the birth that's important. There's been birth and will be birth from here till Christ comes back. But what is so important is that there is the God that intervened with Mary, and that has never happened before and will never happen again. So the means of our peace this morning hinges on the birth of Christ. Do you believe in the virgin birth of Christ this morning? The second, though, comes from the second uh, point is this, the mission of peace. That is how he came about. But what was Jesus being born of a virgin? What was his mission to do? The angel tells Joseph, his foster father, his adopted father, his earthly father, what the mission of Christ would be, the mission of peace. He says it in verse 21. Joseph is there. He's struggling whether to divorce Mary, his wife, to be or whether to stay with her and he's being a righteous godly man said to himself I can't go through with this I could preach a whole sermon on just him being a godly man that didn't want to put this young girl to shame public shame but he's wrestling with God he's wrestling with himself the the angel comes upon him and has this conversation with Joseph and the angel reveals the mission of peace to Joseph. The angel says she will bear a son. 
And you shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The mission of peace is very simple. Jesus was born of a virgin to come and make peace through his saving work on the cross to redeem people back to God or to reconcile sinful man back to God. That is the mission of Christ. Christ himself said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. So the mission is to bring peace, which means you have to be honest with yourself, and I have to be honest, and we as a church have to be honest. That means at some point in our lives, we live in constant rebellion against God, that we needed peace with God. Do you know you need peace with God? This is what Paul says in Romans. This is true for every one of us on the planet. In Romans chapter 3, 23, he says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God. Sin puts us in conflict with God. Sin does not bring us peace with God. Sin brings us into a constant war with God. That's everyone on the planet. But God, knowing that from the fall of man, desired to have peace with his people. Desiring to have peace with his people, he knew this to be true. That the only way that there would be peace with his people would be what? He tells us this in Romans chapter 6, 23. He said, because you have fallen, you've sinned, and you've fallen short of the glory of God, this is your punishment. For the wages of sin is what? Death. See, our sin causes death, which doesn't cause peace. But Paul, thanks be to God, doesn't stop there. He says this, for the wages of sin is death, but what? The free gift of God, the Christmas gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So Christ came to bring peace to us with God. Now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul lays out the mission of peace for us. Six things we see in these few verses. I'll read those to us this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18 says this. Paul in this passage is talking about the death and resurrection of Christ, but that was the mission that Christ would come and die. And he says this is what was accomplished by his life and death and resurrection. Verse 14 says this. Well, we'll start at 13. says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus or of Christ. 14, for he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace. Who has made, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one, a new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God and to one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So Paul lays out, this is what the peace of Christ does for us. This is what the mission of Christ accomplishes through his peace. The first is this. The peace of Christ brings those who were once far off near to him. The mission of Christ was fulfilled at the resurrection and brought us, Paul says it this way, who were alienated from God. He brought us close to God. In bringing us close to God, he then says this, because now we're close to God, those who were once far off from God are now near to God. The next thing he does this, he brings us peace with one another. So he brings us peace with God, and now we ought to live in peace or harmony with one another. And he says, once you live in harmony with one another, you are also, that peace will bring you into one family or to the church. I often wonder to myself about these two points. Why is it that there's so, so much hostility in the church? things we bicker and argue about. I believe because we've forgotten what Christ has done for us. How is it that so many churches are divided by so many petty things? Because I don't think they believe in the peace of Christ and what his life accomplished on the cross and what his mission was. His mission was to bring those who are far from God that were alienated from God, that were hostile to God, to come together to be one family, to live at peace with one another. Have we forgotten the peace of Christ because of the things that divide us? And there's a whole list of those things that I could mention, but I will not this morning. So he brings us into the body of Christ together. Not only does he do that corporately, but then he says in verses 16, he says this, Christ also brings you personal peace. So he brings us corporate peace. What is Christ bringing you personal peace? Do you live this morning without worry because the promise from God is that through Christ you will have personal peace? Next thing he says is this. He brings us near to God. But just because he brings us near to God doesn't mean he brings us peace with God. But now, because of Christ's finished work on the cross, through his resurrection, you and I now have peace with God. Thank God for that peace. Because we have peace with God, Paul finishes it up in the last verse, verse 18. Because you have peace with God, you now have what with God? Access to God. Just because you've been brought near doesn't mean you have peace. Just because you have peace doesn't mean you have access. But look at Paul's line of thinking. He gathers those who are far from God through the peace of Christ to bring them near. In bringing them near, he now gives them 
peace with themselves and with God. And then he says, because of, let the peace of Christ dwell within you and the peace of Christ, peace of Christ dwells within you, you now have what? Free access to God. All of us in the room, if you're a believer, you can go to God at any point in any time. Praise be to God for that. Before the Old Testament, you and I were not allowed to be in the presence of God. Only one man, once a year, could do that. But because of what Christ came to do in his mission was that each of us, individually and corporately, would have access to God. That only happens through the peace of Christ. Are you, and am I, and we, the church, at peace with God? And are we going to God with access to God because of the peace of Christ? That is the mission of Christ to bring us peace, to give us access to God. The means was through the virgin birth. And now the promise or the man of peace is found throughout that passage. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 1. As we looked last week, we'll look again. The man of peace in this passage is given two names, but we see hundreds of names throughout the Bible about who this baby was. The first name that we are told he is to be given is what? Jesus. It says this, she will bear a son and you, the Father, will call him Jesus, for he will save his people. As we looked last week, the name of Jesus means this, the Lord saves. Now, what we have to know about the name Jesus, that was a very common name in that day. It wasn't like Jesus was the only kid ever named Jesus. Because the Old Testament teaches that God was going to save, and so people would put their hopes in that, and then they would name their kids that as a reminder that the Lord is going to save. Jesus was not the only baby to ever be born with the name of Jesus. But what makes him unique is he was the only baby that could fulfill what his name meant. And so what the, the angel says to Joseph that night is his name will be Jesus, but this Jesus will be able to accomplish what his name means. He will save his people from what? Their sins. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe in the man of peace this morning that the Lord truly saves us? Next, after that, in verse 23, it says this, to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7, 14. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. This morning, do you believe that God saves and that God is with you? Because if you believe that God saves and that God is with you, then you will have peace. If God saves you, then you rest assured that you now have 
peace with God through the work of Christ Jesus. And because Christ saves you, you have peace with God. But that peace now ought to say to you that he is always with us. Therefore, we always have peace. Here's the deal about these two names. That Jesus saves and God is with us. It's not just for those who believe that that is true. Regardless this morning, if you believe that Jesus saves or that Emmanuel, God is with us, that does not hinge on your belief. That hinges on the promise of God. Here's what also is true, that there will be a day that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is with us, that he's king, that he's Emmanuel, and he saves. That is a promise that all of us will face and believe one day. I've said it often from this pulpit. I'll say it again this morning. If you're a believer this morning, if you believe that Christ saves and he is with you, this is the only hell that you'll ever know. This is the only hell that you will ever experience. But the flip side of that coin is this. If you do not know Christ this morning, this is the only heaven you'll ever experience. This is the best it gets for you. Just go home, if you're not a believer, and turn on the TV. This is the best it gets if you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer, this is the worst it gets. Do we believe that? This morning, you see what makes hell, hell is simply this. There is no peace with Christ through Christ, through God in hell. Hell is the absence of God. I don't want to go to hell because it's hot and there's a man running around with a pitchfork and pointy ears and some horns. That's not the reason that I... I don't want to go to hell. Like Pinocchio makes hell look pretty cool. If you've seen the movie Pinocchio, that's where they go. That's supposed to be okay. No one's tracking with me. Go watch Pinocchio. Anyway, what makes hell hell is the absence of God's peace. You see, if you're here and you're not a believer this morning, you experience some level of God's peace on this planet. Because without God's peace, even now, if you're an unbeliever, what ought to be true is God's holy wrath ought to rain on you. But it's through his peace and what Peter says that he's slow to fulfill his promise of his wrath because he doesn't desire that any perish or another way to put it is that anyone would live without the peace of Christ and so he's slow to rain his wrath on us and so this morning my hope and prayer is this have you come to know the peace of Christ so that you have peace with God and therefore have access 
to him this morning. Because the promise is true. Back in Matthew chapter 1. And I'll read the passage again. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he saves his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Do we believe that to be true this morning? Do you have the peace of Christ in you? Through the means of the virgin birth, the mission was to bring peace. And it's through Christ and Christ alone. Let us pray.